There was never someone in all of history who was at the same time so extraordinary and so ordinary as Jesus Christ. Today we find him at the Jordan River where he goes to be baptized by John. And we hear John giving testimony about him. And what's striking at first is how ordinary Jesus is. There's nothing about his appearance to set him apart from the rest of the crowd. There's no halo around his head. Even John the Baptist admits that he didn't recognize him until the Holy Spirit came down upon him in the form of a dove. And John the Baptist had spent his whole life preparing his eye to see him, to recognize him. The whole purpose of his life was to prepare the way for Jesus. And even he says, until the Holy Spirit descended upon him, I didn't recognize him. In fact, up to that point in his life, Jesus had always passed for another faithful Jew. But now extraordinary things begin to be said about him. John, this prophet who's full of fire, points him out and says, Behold the Lamb of God. He says, This man existed before me. And finally he declares, He is the Son of God. There's obviously something extraordinary about this ordinary man. And that's what the church has always taught, that Jesus Christ is fully God and fully man, as human as you and I. And we see both truths reflected in his life. On the one hand, no one is more human than he is. He gets worn out and he asks the Samaritan woman for a drink. He is so exhausted at one point that he falls asleep on the boat in the middle of a storm. When his friend Lazarus dies, he goes to the tomb and he weeps there because he loved him. There's no one as human as Jesus. And yet this same Jesus, when he enters into synagogues, people who are, are in, possessed by demons begin to throw themselves on the ground and cry out, I know who you are, the Holy One of God. This same Jesus speaks and stills the storm at sea. And when he dies on the cross, the earth quakes and the veil in the temple is torn from top to bottom and people rise from their graves. He's God. What was God doing at the shore of the Jordan River standing in line with sinners to be baptized. His baptism, in fact, is a perfect sign for his whole mission. The Son of God became one of us. He got in line with us. And he immersed himself in the river of our sinful humanity so that he could deal with our sin and put an end to it on the cross. And this is suggested by the strange title that John gives him, the Lamb of God. He says, Behold, the Lamb of God. The Lamb of God appears in the Old Testament at least in three important cases. First is the Passover Lamb, which the Jewish people sacrificed each year as a protection against God's judgment. And this was an institution commanded by God and yet always somehow incomplete. It never answered this question why should the death of an innocent animal atone for the sins of a people? 
what makes this substitution efficacious? Well, that leads us to a second Old Testament reference to the Lamb, which is Isaiah's prophecy about the suffering servant. He speaks about a man chosen by God, the suffering servant who would be led like a lamb to the slaughter. He would be led like a lamb to the slaughter, and he would offer his life as an atoning sacrifice for his people. Here we have not just a substitute, as in the case of the animal, but a representative, a man offered for the sins of men. But still, the question lingers, who was this man? Several centuries passed since Isaiah uttered that prophecy, and still Israel was waiting and wondering, who is this man? Finally, we remember Abraham, whom God called to sacrifice his beloved son Isaac, and whom the angel stayed just as he was going to sacrifice him. Why? Because God himself would provide a sheep for the offering. Finally, in the person of Jesus Christ, God himself provides a lamb. He gives his own firstborn son, innocent, like a lamb, a man taken from among men to offer himself for the sins of men. And at the same time, the Son of God, capable of atoning for the sins of the whole world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that everyone who believes in him might not perish, but might have eternal life. So what does all this reflection on the divinity and humanity amount to for us? It comes to this. It comes to believing in the power of his sacrifice. He is fully God and fully man. And that sacrifice offered by man for the sake of men, which is a divine sacrifice, is capable of washing away all our sins, no matter what they are. You know, there's nothing that you have done, no sin so egregious, in your past life or in your present life, that the Lord cannot wash you clean. The one who paid the price is the Son of God. He is the Lamb of God. There's a crucifix in the cathedral of Mexico City called the Lord of the Poison, El Señor del Veneno. And this crucifix used to hang in another church in Mexico City over a century ago. And there was a priest there who would pray before the crucifix every night. And when he finished his prayer, he would kiss the foot of Jesus and he would go to sleep. One day he was sitting in the back of the church hearing confessions and a man came to him and confessed that he had robbed and murdered someone. And the priest spoke to him about the infinite mercy of God. But he told him, you need to make this right. You need to restore what you've stolen and you need to turn yourself in. You need to try to make amends for what you've done. And so the man left in a fury. He was enraged against the priest. And all of a sudden he began to suspect that the priest was going to turn him in. Even though this was all said under the seal of confession and the priest never would have spoken a word about it, he started to suspect this priest is going to turn me in. And so he decided to kill the priest. He knew that this priest had the habit of kissing the foot of Christ every night before he went to sleep. And so 
he placed some deadly poison on the foot of the crucifix. And then that night he hid in the shadows of the church and he watched as his priest made his prayer. And the priest came as was his custom and he prayed before the crucifix. And then he leaned forward to kiss the foot of Christ. And he saw the feet lifted up, the, the knees bent and the feet of this crucifix lifted up as if to avoid the kiss. And so the priest leaned forward again and the feet were lifted up again. And again a third time he leaned forward to kiss the feet and the feet were lifted up again. And from the back of the church the criminal recognized that the feet began to become black. And then this blackness was drawn up into, into the whole corpus, into the whole body of Christ, as if Christ was absorbing the poison that he had placed on him. Well, this criminal saw this miracle and he repented. And he allowed Christ to absorb the poison of his own soul. He confessed his sin and he returned to God. You know, today in the Mass, in just a few moments, I'm going to raise the host and speak the same words that John the Baptist spoke. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And in that moment, I invite you to place upon him all your sins. Allow him, the Lamb of God, to absorb your sins, to absorb the poison of your soul and to take it from you. Maybe there's some sin of your past that you've never fully surrendered because you've never fully believed in the power of the sacrifice. Tonight, surrender it to him. Let him absorb it. He is the Lamb of God. Maybe it's a sin that you're tangled up in right now and you don't have the power to break free. Let him take it from you. Let him absorb the poison of your soul. He is the Lamb of God. You know, in Scripture, there's also a fourth image of the Lamb. It's not from the Old Testament, but from the very last book of Scripture, the book of Revelation. And it speaks of the Lamb who was slain, seated on the throne. It's an image of the victory of the Lamb. Tonight, if you bring your sin to Him in faith, He will give you victory over your sin.